Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi there and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast and tonight I want to talk a little bit uh, about the period after 1978 in China uh, and the uh, economic reforms. Uh, Perhaps they're best described as changes, um, because reform is always a moot point, Um, introduced by Deng Xiaoping and the the kind of the the aftermath of Mao's cultural uh, revolution. One of the reasons for talking about this is because, or perhaps the primary reason for talking about this, is because we live uh, in the the kind of the historical aftermath of what occurred in China in the late 1970s uh, and early 1980s. It is a a transition of global importance uh, and perhaps we won't really fully understand uh, the ramifications of it until we are uh, further into the 21st century. But um, it has uh, the... the, 
potential to transform the world in the way that Britain's Industrial Revolution did in the late 18th, early 19th centuries. Anyway, so today we're going to be looking once again at uh, David Harvey's uh, Brief History of Neoliberalism. David Harvey, um, a professor of anthropology, uh, Marxist critic, um, and um, a, a kind of polymathic figure uh, um, whose uh, analyses um, of the, 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 the functioning of capitalism are, uh, are kind of peerless, really. Um, and if we are questioning how does capital function in the 21st century, uh, the, to, to, to overlook the role of China um, would be to, to really kind of misunderstand the, the, entire, um, the entire system. So David Harvey writes, In December 1978, faced with the dual difficulties of political uncertainty in the wake of Mao's death in 1976 and several years of economic stagnation, the Chinese leadership under Deng Xiaoping announced a programme of economic reform. We may never know for sure whether Deng was all along a secret capitalist roader, as Mao had claimed during the Cultural Revolution, or whether the reforms were simply a desperate move to ensure China's economic security and bolster its prestige in the face of the rising tide of capitalist development in the rest of East and Southeast Asia. So, let's just dwell on these two points. Um, Mao had really despised Deng since 1962 at the very uh, the, uh, at the, the the very latest. Um, Deng and Liu Xiaoqi were given control over the Chinese economy following uh, and Chinese state um, following the disaster of the Great Leap Forward and uh, the uh, in epic uh, famine that Mao caused uh, that killed anywhere between 40 and 70 million people. Um, Mao was uh, became a kind of a political non-entity for four years, returning in 1966 um, to uh, begin his uh, assault on the party that had spurned him um, and his um, era of uh, the, the, the Cultural Revolution, this kind of um, revolutionary populism where he tried to reach beyond the bureaucratic structures of the party to speak directly to the people or directly to um, the uh, students um, and those who and, and to, to young people um, to uh, encourage this assault on the party. Uh, Deng was purged twice during the Cultural Revolution um, and was um, his, his uh, son was uh, uh, brutally injured, left a paraplegic. Uh, Deng, I believe, wound up working in a, a bicycle shop towards the end of the Cultural Revolution. Um, and so he was very much a, a consummate political survivor. Um, was he a capitalist roader? I personally don't think so. I don't think Deng really um, had thought in these in these terms. Um, I think that he his later um, pragmatism. He says essentially it doesn't matter whether the cat is black or white, but as long as it catches mice. Um, his view was, and he was also famously quoted as saying, "Poverty is not socialism." That. Um, 
in order to provide stability um, for China and to to ensure the survival of the party and of the regime, a um, mass prosperity, mass affluence um, was the uh, the only way forward. Coming along to the second point that David Harvey makes, was it something to do with the rest of Southeast Asia at the time? Well. During the 1960s and 70s, Mao looked on with great concern that uh, South Korea, Taiwan, Singapore, Hong Kong um, and Japan all had become um, beacons of capitalist modernity, um, all had uh, used their, um, uh, position, their, ge- their, their, their position uh, geographically and their populations um, in order to create uh, a boom in light industry and finance um, and the uh, by the 1970s of course Japan has captured America as an export market for transistor radios cars um, motorcycles uh, and, and other goods and the at the same time uh, China is languishing in the chaos of the um, cultural revolution uh, Mao was always hugely concerned about uh, China being surrounded by enemies uh, and about uh, capitalism uh, being uh, a kind of uh, a gateway on China's doorstep uh, into uh, destroying uh, the communist regime. Deng saw it, I believe, in a slightly different way, in that he he believed that unless China um, was able to compete with these powers, it would become a backwater and it would become once again a kind of de facto colony when it became weak enough as had uh, occurred during the 19th century. Deng Xiaoping did not want the Chinese Communist Party to become the 20th century equivalent of the Qing dynasty. The reforms just happened to coincide, um, writes David Harvey, and it's very hard to consider this anything other than a conjunctural accident of world historical significance with the turn to neoliberal solutions in Britain and the United States. The outcome in China had been the construction of a particular kind of market economy that increasingly incorporates neoliberal elements interdigitated with authoritarian centralised control. Elsewhere, as in Chile, South Korea, Taiwan and Singapore, the compatibility between authoritarianism and the capitalist market had already been clearly established. So one of the um, one of the kind of the more sort of Western centric views of neoliberalism. This is kind of one of the uh, articles of faith of uh, people like like, uh, Friedrich von Hayek was that um, the the, the reduction in size of the state um, and the uh, introduction of market mechanisms into the allocation of goods in society and the um, mass um, the the, the destruction of trade union power um, and the uh, idea that individuals would be liberated into this this world of um, uh, of economic choice 
that this would bring about this notion of, of liberty. Hayek as a, uh, an emigre from Nazism uh, and a critic of Soviet communism said, what do these things have in common? They, have, they, they are uh, both the product of big states. And when the state gets big enough, so the theory goes, then it will become tyrannical. Um, and he had some slightly implausible argument that um, Western um, social democratic states uh, with their high taxing and spending uh, and their uh, large um, uh, commitment to uh, welfare states, nationalisation and trade union power would become uh, essentially tyrannies. And what he, I suppose, really meant was they would become tyrannical to people of property. They would tax uh, people of wealth and redistribute that to, to the poor. But, but the idea of shrinking this state would free up the liberty of, of, of everybody. So, so Hayek thought, Hayek actually later went on to make some highly, um, uh, highly anti-democratic statements. Um, uh, but that's a story from another, another time. But what China and uh, Chile and other places, places like Taiwan, which were far from being uh, libertarian societies in the 1970s, what the, uh, and South Korea, what they showed was that um, free market economics could live quite neatly alongside re um, repressive authoritarian or even dictatorial states. While, while egalitarianism as a long-term goal for China was not abandoned, Deng argued that individual and local initiative had to be unleashed in order to increase productivity and spark economic growth. The corollary um, that certain levels of inequality should inevitably arise was well understood as something that would need to be tolerated. Under the slogan of Xiao Kang, the concept of an ideal society that provides wealth for its citizens, Deng focused on four modernizations in agriculture, industry, education and science and defence. The reform strove to bring market forces to bear internally within the Chinese economy. The idea was to stimulate competition between state-owned firms and thereby spark, it was hoped, innovation and growth. So there are some kind of interesting parallels there with um, the, the Western model of neoliberalism um, in that uh, from the 1970s onwards, um, the idea that a commitment to full employment, for example, could be sustained indefinitely in, in Great Britain came under increasing attack. Um, in 1979, um, when Margaret Thatcher came to power, the recession that she and her Chancellor Geoffrey Howe manufactured um, from uh, in the, the uh, 1979. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Budget, which lasted really until um, 1983, even into 1984, caused um, a huge bubble of well, a huge um, swell of um, unemployment, um, sending unemployment figures uh, into kind of Great Depression uh, sort of levels, nearing three million. Um, and the the reasoning, the, the, the cause of this was the decision to, uh, the, the monetarist decision to restrict um, the, the money supply in Great Britain, which um, was the um, uh, part of the, the kind of the, the Keynes, the um, Hayekian, uh, and uh, Friedmanite uh, economic argument was that inflation was caused by an excessive amount of money in the system. And if you combat inflation, that will also lead to the uh, eventually to um, high levels of productivity and then eventually to uh, lower levels overall in the long term of unemployment. And you sort of swept inflation out of the system by shutting down the money supply. This turns out to be kind of fairly voodoo economics. Um, and the, the basis of it was uh, utterly misproven within within a couple of years. Um, but the, the levels of human misery that this um, resulted in uh, still scar British society now. Um, and the uh, the idea um, that um, the that uh, supply side economics um, work is still kind of an article of faith for mo for. Uh, both British uh, political parties, um, but the the connection with with Deng here was this retreat from this from this, this egalitarian idea that a certain amount of inequality and a certain amount of poverty would have to be tolerated in the pursuit of this greater and superior economic goal. Of course, the contexts are fundamentally different, and this was China emerging from the uh, the, the Cultural Revolution. And the product of uh, Maoist um, equality or uh, attempts at equality had been um, basically a race to the bottom, a, a, a uh, not lifting anybody up, uh, but a race to the bottom in terms of uh, impoverishing those who had previously been wealthy uh, at all um, since 1949. But um, the sparking of um, uh, modernizations and the uh, the desire to see state-run uh, entities compete with one another 
Um, this was a, a slightly different direction um, from, uh, from from the, the neoliberalism of the West. British and American neoliberalism neoliberalism didn't require um, state owned um, state owned firms to compete with one another. The, um, instead, privatisation, the selling of uh, things like British uh, Telecom and British Rail, British Rail was uh, in, in the 1990s, um, was um, how the state divested itself of the need to have um, large parts of British industry on the balance sheet and to be uh, accountable for it and to, uh, to, to, to fund it. Um, and it also in Margaret Thatcher's eyes, was a way of trying to democratise British capitalism. Her view was that the, the, the sluggish British capitalism of the 1970s could be given a forceful kick in the rear end by shareholders. And if ordinary people, uh, millions of them, became shareholders in state industries, then one would have democratised financial capitalism as well, which was when Thatcher came to power, the, the, the preserve of the gentleman investor, by and large, but um, having a shareholding democracy would make British companies accountable to British people. So goes the logic. Of course, this didn't happen because what generally tend to occur was people would buy shares, the shares would shoot up in price, and then uh, larger investors, institutional investors, would buy the shares um, for a uh, and, and give uh, ordinary shareholders a, a small but attractive profit. Um, this meaning that instead of democratising British capital, it was handed wholesale to um, uh, third parties, often uh, foreign businesses. Um, not what uh, Mrs Thatcher intended. But here, we've we, um, the Chinese um, government under Deng was unwilling to do anything that looked like privatisation at this point, um, and instead believed that creating artificial markets within the the kind of the uh, the ownership of the Chinese state was was what would would work this has actually been tried to um, uh, sort of really dismal effect in Russia under the reforms of uh, Alexei Kosygin um, and uh, Brezhnev um, in the uh, in the, the, the previous decade from the late 60s to the mid 70s Market pricing was introduced, but this was probably far less civic significant than the rapid devolution of political economic power to the regions and to the localities. This last move um, proved particularly astute. Confrontation with traditional power centres in Beijing was avoided, and local initiatives could pioneer the way to a new social order. Innovations that failed could simply be ignored. To supplement this effort, China was also opened up, albeit under strict state supervision, to foreign trade and foreign investment, thus ending China's isolation from the world market. So in, in a bid to um, take power away from party apparatchiks in Beijing, who could simply just say no to things, devolving power to regions um, meant that they could uh, sidestep uh, conservative-minded um, uh, bureaucrats, and also, if anything went wrong, you could kind of bury it in the regions. If there are initiatives that failed, you can kind of ignore them, um, and you can uh, allow 
uh, people uh, allow the, the party almost to be to be ignorant of them. Um, opening up is an, another key part of, of this process, and, and I will talk about um, this in, in greater depth um, uh, another time. But the development of special economic zones, places like Shenzhen, um, in my childhood days in Hong Kong, the uh, city of Shenzhen uh, that had grown from uh, in the late 1970s to being um, a, a, a being a place with about 30,000 people was by then in the mid 1980s a place with I imagine from my recollections about one or two million people and right now it has a population of something approaching 30 million people uh, it, it is a, uh, an, e an economic, social and geographical transformation, probably unlike any other in world history. It is um, the development of special economic zones, which were areas where foreign businesses could seek cheap labour for manufacturing and could bring uh, foreign investment and, what China really sought, foreign technology. Uh, China was very keen on technology transfers and Deng went to see both Jerry Ford and Jimmy Carter in the 1970s to uh, plead the case for, for technology transfers. Um, and they, you know, got them by hook or by crook uh, through the special economic zones. But the, um, the, 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 the significant point here was that the special economic zones were in the 1980s quarantined from the rest of China um, for fear by the party that some kind of capitalist contagion would spread. Um, Deng obviously was fully aware that this would happen and saw it as being uh, an entirely good thing. And the, um, the way in which um, the uh, the island of Hong Kong was used as a conduit into the special economic zones is, is interesting. David Harvey writes, Experimentation was initially limited, mainly to Guangdong province, where Shenzhen is, uh, close to Hong Kong, conveniently remote from Beijing. One aim of this opening up to the outside uh, was to procure technology transfers, hence the emphasis on joint ventures between foreign capital and Chinese partners. The other was to gain enough foreign reserves to buy in the necessary means to support a stronger internal dynamic of economic growth. In a way, the the building up of um, reserves to to build up uh, infrastructure um, was what Stalin and Mao had both tried to achieve through forced industrialization, and this was now another way. Of trying to solve that problem, trying to uh, bring about uh, economic transformation as as quickly as possible. Um, Deng again, an, an ultimate uh, pragmatist who had committed many atrocities in Mao's name on behalf of of the party, um, and uh, particularly during the Chinese Civil War. And so was was loyal to the party itself, and simply saw economics as a, a kind of a rather an agnostic kind of device, uh, something that had 
no defined meaning one way or another as long as the party was served. Um, and this is how we get this, this fusion of authoritarianism and neoliberalism uh, emerging in the late 1970s and the early 1980s. There's much more to say on this and obviously we will revisit this soon but anyway I hope you found it useful. Do check us out on the Explaining History Facebook group, pop by and find us on Patreon, there's always something interesting happening there and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. All the best, bye bye. on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more and the best part about quince they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe ethical and responsible manufacturing elevate your style without the elevated price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.